Well, what a week. I, I just want to tell you that uh, as Jim and when Jim gets back, thousands of, uh, of Christians today are facing martyrdom around the world. Hundreds of Christians are seeing their children killed before their eyes because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we hear little, if anything, about it on the news. But this week in our country has been a week where almost at any time you turn on the news and you hear about, is it Harambe, uh, the gorilla, and the incident that happened in, in the Cincinnati Zoo. Now, I want to put a disclaimer up front and say that as Christian, I believe that God has given us stewardship and we're to be wise stewards. We're to treat our animals humanely. We're to treat our economy wisely as wise stewards of that which God has entrusted into our care. But when I saw this sign uh, on the news, uh, because his life mattered, when I, when I saw the protest and when I read the report, uh, and, and basically, everybody probably knows, but my understanding is that there was a, like a three or a four-year-old boy that climbed over a three-foot wall, uh, a three-foot high fence to get into the gorilla and fell down then into the gorilla. I just want to tell you, I've got a, we got a four-year-old grandson and a, a three-foot fence is nothing. We've got a two-year-old granddaughter that a two-foot fence for her. She can get over that thing quickly. And so this, this little boy fell into this, this enclosure. And, and Barbie and I, early on, first day, of course, we saw the 400-pound the, the gorilla uh, grab the little boy by the arm and drag him. Uh, thankfully, the little boy wasn't hurt much. But uh, as I read, you know, the, the, for 10 minutes, people were taking pictures and and Zach said, man, I, I, you know, I didn't see anybody get into the enclosure and try to rescue the little boy in 10 minutes. But, uh, but after 10 long minutes, and it must have been horrifying minutes for the parents, uh, the, a decision was made that they, the gorilla was getting agitated. And they say this gorilla can cut, crush a coconut with, with one hand. So if he had grabbed the little boy by the head, it would have popped like a grape. And so after an agonizing 10 minutes, the decision was made to put the gorilla down. And uh, the first day we saw it, Barbie said something. She said, I guarantee you they're going to come after the parents. I said, how can they come after parents? Well, and then the next day, two days later, I read this report that hundreds of thousands of signatures had been signed telling them that they needed to hold the parents of this four-year-old accountable. Now, I will tell you, the only, I hope that the only people who signed that are people that have never had a four-year-old. If you've had a four-year-old and you've never lost them for a, a second or two in the store or in the zoo... Uh, fire away. But what concerned me then, and I see this sign, and it says because his life matters, because gorilla lives matter. Everybody's lives matter, it seems, except the innocent and the Christian. Billy Graham, or, or Billy Graham, uh, Franklin Graham, just, uh, just Barbie was reading to me, he just uh, ran a tweet that uh, in, during the time that this was taking place, around 120,000 innocent babies were aborted in this country. And there's no, there's no outcry. But hundreds of thousands of signatures because a gorilla was put down to protect the life of a four-year-old innocent child. I'm telling you, we're living in a mixed-up society. And because of we're living in that mixed-up society, and, and by the way, I, my go-to guy for this is Jack Hanna, okay? When it comes to animals, he's a, right, you, you know who I'm talking about? I'm, I'm going to tell you what Jack Hanna said. You may, you may have read it, quoting I'll bet my life on this, that that child would not be here today if they hadn't put the gorilla down. Okay, that's Jack Hanna. He's my authority. That's like going to, the, to this. 
because we live in this mixed up crazy world, it, if, if it aren't careful, it becomes easier for us to become skeptical or a little bit merciless. And with that in mind, we're in the fifth chapter of Matthew. You can join me there. Uh, and and the, as we, we started through Matthew, and we've been kind of camping out for a few Sundays here in chapter 5. When we get to, to chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, it's the longest discourse that, uh, that we have a, recorded of Jesus in his ministry. Some, some, some people refer to it as a sermon on the mount. It's a sermon. It's a, it's a, he's, he's speaking there on the, on the shores of, of Galilee. And uh, we, we just kind of got started in this. And the beginning part of this message uh, is known as the Beatitudes. There's, there's eight different uh, commands or building blocks that Jesus is going to build this message on. Uh, and, and he lays those out for us. And uh, I, want us to, I want us to read it again. My, uh, my desire, I told you that by the time we finish these eight Beatitudes, you're probably going to have this first 12 verses memorized. So Craig's got them. Stand with me one last time, and then I'll let you be seated for a little while longer. Uh, but stand with me and read with me out loud these verses. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Good job. Thank you. You can be seated. It was interesting to me to, as I looked at these that the first four Beatitudes uh, are easily categorized and, we can, and, and I can relate them to our relationship to our Heavenly Father or to God. As, as we look at this, we're, we're poor in spirit, realizing our need of a Savior, that we are lost. And when we realize that lost condition and the price that our Heavenly Father paid to redeem us back, we mourn and grieve and weep over that, that, that our sins caused, caused him to give his son that he would die for our sins. And when we realize that, then there is a surrender or a meekness that we surrender and say, Lord, then if you love me that much, I want Forgiveness that you provide through Jesus' death. And when we do that, there is this craving, or he calls it here, a hungering and thirsting after more of him, more of his word, more of, uh, of the relationship and fellowship with Christian people, that, we'll, that he'll meet that need as we honor that. And then as we get to verse 7 this morning, the next four or how, or I, I easily see relating to our relationship with each other. Now, it's kind of like when I read this, and actually I thought about the, the, what's that, the Ten Commandments. 
as you look at those commandments that God gave Moses that kind of became the basis of our laws, the first of those commandments have to do with our relationship vertically with God. And then the latter part of them have to do with our relationships horizontally with each other. And it's almost like that, that God's word and Jesus are really kind of saying in, a, in not such a subtle way, hey, when you get everything right with God, when our lives are in line with him and when we're at peace with him, then we're ready to work on our relationships with each other. You're kind of, kind of getting that? And, and, and that beautiful picture. Well, as we get to verse 7 this morning, I look at this beatitude. We're told scripture calls us to be holy. Matter of fact, scripture says, be ye holy for I am holy. But when we get to verse 7 of the Beatitudes, Luke, who's recording this same, uh, same message, Luke, in Luke 6, he says it this way. Look at what he says. Be ye therefore merciful, for your Father is merciful. Am I close, Craig? Yeah. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. And I thought, wow, there's two things that Scripture calls us. Be holy because he's holy. But he also is calling us very clearly to be merciful because our heavenly father is merciful. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. What does it mean? What's he talking about? What does it mean to be merciful? Well, one of the first things is, is Vines, uh, dictionary of, of New Testament words. Vines describes it this way. It says that mercy is the outward manifestation of pity. It assumes needs on the part of him who receives it. And resources adequate to meet that need on the part of him who shows it. Let me just, Arthur Pink puts it this way. <clears throat> he says, mercifulness is a holy compassion of soul, whereby one is moved to pity and goes to the relief of another in misery. Being merciful is being moved to action by what we see. And what we feel. So I want to take a look at what that looks like. Three different ways. First of all, materially. And there's several verses. James, in, in James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What does it profit, my brother, though a man says he has faith and has not worked, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and you say to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you, do, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, as it has not works, is dead, being alone. So this is what we're talking about. You know, you see a need. James is saying, you see a need. And you say, bless them, Lord. Or you, know, or you say, even if, I'll, I'll pray for it. But you have the means wherewithal to help relieve that need, and you do nothing about it. James would say, what's a big whoop, man? Yeah? There's, there's more. Look at what First John chapter 3 says it this way. But whoso hath this world's goods... And sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him. How does the love of God dwell in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 says, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Now, uh, Jeff mentioned, and the, the men's ministry, we've been talking for a few months 
uh, and they've, they've uh, renamed and kind of repackaged and, and streamlined some of the ministries that, that have been a part of the House of Prayer Church. A, a Woman's Heart has been a ministry that's functioned that many of you have served in. And, and uh, the men's ministry are renaming this A Servant's Heart. There's an insert in the bulletin. And A Servant's Heart is, is just simply that. It's, a, it's a, an effort to, to look and to, uh, to identify or let people uh, identify areas that they can help in. And then to use those when opportunity presents itself. I'll give you an example. Uh, you remember there's, there used to be a, a couple that would come in the front door about time service start. He was a tall, slender guy on a walker. Had a had a uh, kind of a thing around his waist. His wife would come and help him hold, and she would sit. And they would sit here with me on the front row. Now I've got company there, thanks to the Hogsett family and some of the others. Joy, but they would sit here. Remember them? That's that's Gene and Tom Gray. Now Tom is a was a Vietnam vet, and uh, Tom had had a stroke, and uh, and so but he, he, they loved coming. Love coming. They had a story. If you've talked with them, you have a, they have a story of, of a son who was murdered, and how that they went through years of bitterness and 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 really struggling till God brought them to a point of forgiveness. Quite a testimony. Well, Tom had another stroke a while back, and so Jean this uh, the last week, uh, Jean she said, Pastor, she said uh, Tom's had another stroke. Uh, he said he's we, he's got to have around the clock care. And I, I can't leave him. I have a, she said, I have visiting angels or one of these names of somebody comes in three hours, one day a week. And she runs and gets prescriptions and she runs and grabs groceries. And she said, pastor, we, we've got a ride lawnmower, but I, the battery's dead. And I think it's got a flat tire and our, our grass hadn't been mowed all year. Now I know that Jeff's, Jeff's got taken a group of guys out tomorrow to, to work on her yard. And she said, pastor, and this is, this breaks my heart. This is for you, for all you veterans here. She said, uh, just, just know that, that Tom's on a waiting list for a VA nursing home, but they've told him it'll be two years. And see, I know, I know it breaks my heart, but, but the practical, here's an opportunity. And, and so I, I called, I called, uh, Rich, Rich, Rich immediately went out there. Then Rich came and got with Jeff, but Gene called back that same day. And, and with, with just cheers and just saying, what, what can I say to you? How can I thank you all enough? And I'm saying, we just needed to know the need, the opportunity. And so a lot of those kinds of opportunities, multiple kinds, present themselves to our body of believers. And as Jeff has shared, you're one of the most giving, you're one of the most caring, you're one of the most loving bodies of believers I believe there is in the world. And, and I am so blessed, I'm, I'm honored, I'm like Ms. Francis, honored to serve along beside you. And that's how I see that. Well, this men's, men's ministry, a servant's heart, as you leave this morning, they're going to have clipboards. Who's, who's going to have a clipboard? Stand up and let them see who you are. Stand up. They're going to have clipboards at the exits. You don't have to sign to get out. Okay, thank you guys. <laughs> but they will, they will give you an opportunity to serve in a real practical way. And you'll, they'll put your name down. And you can't help all the time, but maybe sometimes you can. And so they'll do that. That's what mercy looks like to me in a very material way. But what about, what, what about uh, emotional ways? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 1, first, first uh, five verses here, says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them 
which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. This is what that's saying to me. There's not a one of us in here this morning that hasn't maybe at one time found what you felt like you were in the, the meat grinder, okay? A lot of stuff going on maybe in family, a lot of stuff maybe going on in your life, maybe physical things, maybe someone close to you that you, you love, and there's, there, you're going through treatments, you're going through diagnosis, maybe there's a loss, there's a death, all this stuff. And, and somehow or another, the Holy Spirit of God and the grace of God comes along beside you, maybe just in the form of a friend that just comes over and just sits with you, doesn't say anything. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a pumpkin pie or a, or a cake or a casserole food's comfort food to me. I mean, <laughs> it's getting close to lunchtime. Yeah. But, but, but what it is, is that God, some, somehow you found yourself, you were hopeless. You know, you were giving up. You were thinking nobody knows, you know. Gene, Gene you get to this point and it's like nobody knows. And so the enemy says, the enemy takes that of nobody knowing, and the enemy says what? Nobody cares. Exactly. Nobody cares. And you say, oh, I do care. I just didn't know. But God steps into those hurting, hopeless situations, and he gives us hope. And the reason we talked about this Wednesday night, the reason I believe 2 Corinthians 1 tells us is so that when he has comforted us, when he has ministered us, when he has given us, given us, when he's given us hope, he then expects and equips us to share that same kind of love, that same kind of compassion, that same kind of mercy to those around us when they're going through that. You understand what I'm saying? To me, that's what this emotional mercy looks like. Now, I'm just going to name another, a practical one while I'm on this, 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 this aspect of mercy and the emotional part of that. To me, that's patience. I mean, if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm really merciful, this is jury, I believe for me, if I'm really merciful, then I'm going to be patient, more patient, maybe with those that are different, okay? Now, uh, a well-known pastor, if I called his name, a lot of you would, would know him. Most of you would know him. Probably all of you would. But I'm quoting him. He said, I believe into every life a few weirdos must fall. <laughs> <laughs> ah, somebody's saying, yeah, but I didn't know this. Like bunches, like bananas. Uh, there's, a verse, there's a verse in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Listen, to this, look at this. It says, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy Encourage those who are shy, who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. And then God, God does, you know, God does some, some stuff. He don't even ask my permission or your permission. Look at what he sticks on the end of this thing. Do you see that? Do you see that? Then God says, be patient with everyone. Everyone. Now, now listen to me. In school. Okay, uh, many years of, of, of the years that I was in school, many of the, of the 19 years, I, I worked with special needs, with, with people with, with unique uh, handicapping abilities. And, and hey, let's be honest, all of us are handicapped to some degree. So they just called me the handicapped teacher, and I, that was me, you know? <laughs> and and, I, and I, 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 because, maybe because of that or because I can relate so much, I can really be, I, I find myself being more patient with the, with the unique, especially with the with a disabled or a dis- my struggle is with those who are obnoxious. 
and this is a little bit of confession time because this is where the Lord, this is where the Lord was speaking to me about being merciful. The obnoxious, um, I, you know, I, I want to be merciful to them at a distance. Stay away. And, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, I'm just going to tell you, first service, person came up afterwards and, and said a little girl looked over at her and said, Mom, is that dad? I'm not going there. I got better sense than that if I want to stay pastor long. But, but obnoxious. And this is, I'm going to tell you something that I have found that helps, us, that helps me when I can remember it. Okay? If, if, I, if a lot of times, and, and when I'm talking about obnoxious, I'm talking about people just like a bull in a china shop. You know what I'm saying, right? I mean, they, they, seem, to, they seem to just leave a wake of, of hurt people and of dumb remarks, of insensitive remarks in their path. Just like you can, you, can track, you can trail them by the people they've hurt. Uh, one of the things, if I'm not, I'm, I'm, I listen. This is, I'm working on it. I don't say I'm not saying I always do this, but if I can remember and when I remember that a lot of times people who hurt others are hurting themselves, it helps me be a lot more patient. It helps me be a lot less critical, and it, and it lets me be a, maybe a little bit less prone to be judgmental of those. Uh, is it easy? No. Is it needful? Yeah. Be merciful. So, so to me, physically, we meet those needs practical ways if we, if we got the means and to be able to understand what we can do and what we can't do to be sure that we're not being taken advantage of. Now, just know this. We're just a closet, uh, an Elijah's closet clothing, the cottage food, benevolence, uh, helping with medical bills or with with uh, medicine or whatever. When we do that, and we've done that at the House of Prayer, we, I don't know, always probably, always to some degree or another. When you do that, you're going to be taken advantage of. And we know that. We try to be as wise as we can, as discerning as we can. We don't want to be an enabler. But at the same time, we are not going to let the fact that we may be taken advantage of by one or two along the way keep us from ministering to those multiple numbers that are really are needful along the way. So kind of our, our motto of that is, Lord, you give us wisdom, give us understanding, and we'll do our best to, to be wise stewards of that which you've entrusted. And we'll trust it all, leave it all up to you. And you deal with that. So whether it's materially or whether it's emotionally, uh, being merciful and being patient and being kind, or whether it's spiritually. What does spiritually being merciful look like? Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, says it this way. And I've, I've asked them to put this in the living Bible. It says, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must I mean, we got to be patient with each other. We got to be forgiven with each other. My goodness, God, what do you expect from us? You know, but it's, isn't that kind of what he's saying? Isn't that kind of what he's saying? And so he, he, he's encouraging us to, to be forgiving. Now, I wrote this down this week. It's an interesting thing about forgiveness to me. When we're the recipient, it's so easy and it feels so right. But when we are to forgive, it's so hard and it feels so wrong. Think about it. Have you ever been the one that's had to go to somebody and say, man, listen, 
I, I, need, I need your forgiveness. I, 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 words come, I've, I've hurt you, I've offended you. I didn't, maybe, you didn't, maybe you didn't even know it, maybe you surely didn't intend to, and you, and you had to say, I need you to forgive me. And, and, and nothing sounds better. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's like a cool water on a hot day to hear them say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Man, we need that. We want that. And it's so hard then for us to turn around and forgive. Why is that? You know? And, and a lot of times we say, well, if they'll come groveling, and I've heard them, if they'll ask me, you know, if they'll come, if they'll crawl. I don't know. The best I understand God's word is that he's forgiven us. And the reason I can forgive others and the reason I need to forgive others is so that I am, that I am following his forgiveness in me. As a matter of fact, scripture that I read, it says that if I fail to forgive others, he's going he's gonna to fail to forgive me. We need to be forgiving one with another. But to me, that's the most beautiful picture of spiritual mercy is forgiveness. When somebody fails, when somebody sins, when a brother or sister sins and it becomes public knowledge, do you rub it in or rub it out? No. Do you, do you grieve? Does it grieve your heart? And you say, oh man, that's, I understand. That's just like me. God help them. God, let me, you know, I'm going to call them. I'm going I'm to I'm make sure that they know that, that I love them. I'm going to make sure that they, I'm going to make sure that they, if they want to get a hamburger, I'm going to sit and eat with them. To heck with what people think. What does God think? You know, we love them. To me, nothing looks more beautiful than forgiveness, the merciful, the spiritual part of forgiveness. Nothing's more awesome than the emotional part of mercy, patience. Nothing's more observable by an unbelieving world a lot of times than this material part of being merciful and meeting each other's needs. Remember when we went down to a group of group of people went down to Homestead, Florida, down to uh, Russell and Carrie Blacks, and was able to and was had a privilege of working, putting a roof on their house, and doing some work down there. And and, and it, every day Russell had a ball. Every day people would come by and they would stop and they'd say, "Where are all those? Why are those people down here from way in Georgia? How much are they charging?" And Russell said. No, they, they actually paid their own way to come down here and they're paying their way to stay here so they can help us. And to see people say, well, who does that? You know, who does that? Who takes a week of vacation, pays $100 or $125 of their own money and goes and spends a week, spends a week working on a Christian camp for their vacation? Who does that? Well, God's, God's kids. We're just part of the family. Understand that. Well, all right, I've got about four minutes left here and I want to talk to you about how do I become more merciful? Somebody asked me at first service, said, did my husband talk to you this week? <laughs> uh, and, and they said, you were reading my mail. And I said, I had nothing. No, you trust me. God's reading my mail. Okay, so I'm just sharing with you what he's sharing with me. But, but, but this morning, maybe, how do, how do I, if we understand, hey, I'm struggling with that. The unique, I'm there, man, I, I, easy. But the obnoxious, maybe you're right the opposite, you know. I don't know. Maybe your area, where's your, wherever your area is, but how do we become more merciful? There's, a, there's, a, there's kind of three steps, and it's a neat story that I love to share with you. It's found in the book of Luke, chapter 10. And again, you know this story well. So because we know it so well, I've, I've asked Craig to kind of put it up in the Living Bible, and I'll tell you why when I get there. You know the story. 
One day an expert in Moses' law came to test Jesus' orthodoxy by asking him this question. Teacher, what does a man need to do to live forever in heaven? Jesus replied, what does Moses' law say about it? He said, he replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbor just as much as you love yourself. And Jesus said, right, now go do this and you'll live. This is the reason I put this in there, is this verse. I love this. The man wanted to justify his lack of love for some kinds of people. So he asked, which neighbors? <laughs> I love it. Now, King James, King James, you know the story. King James, he says, who is my neighbor then? Who's my neighbor? And, 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 and I, I, I'm really a lot more comfortable with who's my neighbor than I am which neighbor. Because I said which neighbor, I'm, oh, Lord, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, let's look, let's look on because the next three steps are what he says. Jesus replied with an illustration. A Jew's going on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho and, uh, was attacked by bandits and they stripped him of his clothes, money, beat him up and left him laying half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came by along and when he saw the man laying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. Then a Jewish temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but went on. What, what's this, what do we call this parable Jesus is telling about the story? Good Samaritans. It's, it's where we get to term, the term, the, the, what is it, Good Samaritan law or whatever? But a despised Samaritan, why was he despised? Different race. It's racial prejudice in this particular place. Jew and a Samaritan, <laughs> oil and water, man, oil and water. Dooley and Gumlog. All right, there's a reason not to even want, never mind, I don't want to go there. All right, but a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw him, he felt, he'd be now, pity. I want to stay right here, because there's three steps. I believe there are very practical steps of of how God can help me, help you, as we we just say, Lord, I, I want to be merciful. I know you've called me to be merciful. If you have a doubt of that, Luke 6, 39, okay? Be merciful, even as your heavenly father is also merciful, okay? I, I know you've called me that, so how do I do that? First is that he saw him. And, and, and what this speaks to me, all of them saw him, but, but we need to see, I, I put in my note here, said we need to learn to see with God's eyes. How does God see people? God sees people, I'm convinced God sees people so much differently than we do. He sees them. In the inside, he knows. We sit here Sunday morning, you don't, you know. I mean, you look good, cleaned up, spiffed up, deodoranted up, you know. Praise the Lord for that. Don't stop doing it, man. I'm telling you, it's awesome. But we never know the hurts, the extent of hurts or needs that's in the heart of the person even next to us. And when we can learn to see, and this is one of the things that, that, um, I guess I began learning this long time, but but when I was when we, Barbara and I were in, the, in in San Francisco and living there and ministering on the street of San Francisco, and this was in the seventies, late seventies. If it's weird, it's, it's weird then. It's probably weirder now, but it was weird then. And um, you, you you know you could see more than you ever wanted to see, and 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 we learned to pray, Lord, let me see with your eyes. Let me see into the heart. Let me see, let me see what's behind this weird clothes or no clothes. Let me see what's behind that, God. What do you see? Starts with seeing with God's eyes. When, 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 when we see the news, what is God seeing? 
When we hear the reports, when Jim comes back and he gives her reports, when the Freemans come back, when the, when the missionaries come back, when, when Christina comes back from Haiti, uh, Lisa comes back from, from Kenya, and he shares a report, shares what she sees, and we see the pictures. What does God see? And then the second thing is he felt deep pity. What does God feel? What does God feel? Wow. You know, God, what, what, what do you, when you see this, what do you feel? Learn to feel. Let, can, I get, can I go to Hebrews 13, Craig? Can you just pull up Hebrews 13, 3, and, and then we'll come right back. But Hebrews 13, 3, look at this. Remember those that are in bonds. Now, another translation says, remember those who are in prison or those who are in jail just like you were in jail with them. Now, I know, I know, I know the first thought is, well, they're there because they deserve to be there. They've done something. Who else haven't done something? Hey, if you have a problem with this, I, I, I struggle with some of this stuff too. I'm taking it up with, with him. I, please do that. Remember those who are in bonds as bound with them and those which suffer adversity as being yourselves, they're with them. Wow. Feel what he feels. See what he sees. And then the, the last part, Craig, back to Luke. And then the Jewish temple assistant looked over, walked over, looked at him, lying there, but went on. But a, the spies, Samaritan came by, felt deep pity, go ahead. Kneeling beside him. See, see what this man saw and what he felt moved him to action. Kneeling beside the Samaritan, soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged him. Then he put the man on his donkey and walked along beside him until he came to an inn where he nursed him through the night. Now I'm convinced that this Samaritan wasn't just needing somebody to talk to. Say, man, I'm glad I found you down here. I've been wanting somebody to talk to me tonight. I'm sure he was on business. I'm sure he was on a, he had a purpose from going to some point to another point. What are you saying, Jerry? I'm saying that he, that oftentimes, very seldom is being merciful convenient. You know, just sitting around the house waiting saying, boy, I hope somebody called me. I'd love to do something for somebody. Who is going to call me, man? Yeah. I'd love to forgive somebody. I wish somebody would just trample all over my feelings today so I can practice being forgiven. <laughs> Don't work that way. If it works that way for you, something's wrong. I'm telling you. All right. But, but he, he takes him to the end, stays with him all night. And then the next day he hands the innkeeper two $20 bills. Now, I'm just going to tell you the, the paraphrase, the living Bible, the paraphrase was written a long time ago. <laughs> okay. Because at the time it was written, I think King James says two denarii. And that's, that was about the equivalent of a day's wage, Doug, right? Now I'm thinking about when a day's wage was about $20. I, I don't know. Today would probably say he gives him two bills. He gives him a couple hundred dollars, you know? And, and again, I'm sure, I don't know. I, maybe that's his, I've got a folded, I've got one thing in my bill for where I used to keep folded mine. I called it, never mind. It was, Barbie didn't know about that. Uh, <laughs> He may have had to get in there. He may have had to get in there to money that, that he was saving back for a special thing or whatever. But he gives money and he told him, take care of the man. And when I come back, if, that, if it's more than that, I'll make up the difference. I'll pay you what it was. But, but these three steps, seeing God, let me see with your eyes. And, and sometimes you may have to say, God, I, I, that's enough. I, I don't know if I can handle any more feeling what you feel. You know, just a little bit. Just a little bit. And then doing 
something merciful in Jesus' love. Be ye merciful. It's this uh, boomerang. I don't even think I read that to you, did I? It's, it's what I call um, the boomerang principle. Jesus, some people have called it that. Some, uh, huh. I'd love to tell you that. It's pretty good. It's a boomerang principle. It kind of reads like this. You'll be happy many times over. Blessed, really. That's what blessed is. Happy many times over. When you show mercy to others. Because then mercy will be shown to you. Now, I know some of you are going to say, I tried that. What well, didn't happen that way. I want to tell you. When we love like Jesus loved, and I'm closing with this, I, and I've, I've read this before. Anytime you love people, you're going to be wounded, okay? Anytime you're merciful, you run the risk of running to those that take advantage of you. Let me, let me close with this, close, close with this quote. <laughs> let, me, let me end this thing with this quote from C.S. Lewis, which I love. And I've, I've read this before. It says, to love at all is to be vulnerable, Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it'll change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable, merciful-less. So, Father, you just kind of got in our face today, got in my face with this uh, truth that you've called us to be merciful as you are merciful. I want you to call the God of all mercies. And yet, Father, as we, your people, we need to also be, we're people who have been forgiven much and we need to forgive much. We're people who have been loved with a, with an, uh, Lord, with, a, with, a, with a, a love that is unending, it's a love that we don't deserve. It's a love that's given because you want to, not because we deserve it. Father, help us never to settle for anything less than what you've called us to be. Speak to us in areas where this morning where you've read our mail and down inside. Lord, let it be a, a message that not just be one that we remember and say, that was nice. But Lord, let it be a message where we can remember and say, God really speaking to me and working on me in these areas. I know, I know, Lord, I know how you're working on me with that. And I know just simply because of the remediation, there's probably going to be some more obnoxious people around for me and, and along the way. But that's okay, God, because it's not easy, but I, I, I didn't sign up for an easy trail. I really want to be more like you. And so whatever it takes to, to make me more like that, that's what we want. 
Change our heart, oh God. Make it more like you. In your name I pray.